Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. All right. Well, I, I hope that you guys have had a great conference so far. You know, we're on the last day, and uh, I hope you guys have learned a lot. Have you guys learned a lot? Okay. But what about the, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the relationships? How about this community, right? Can we have a round of applause for the PCA community? You know, I've, I've seen some amazing things. I've had some really uh, deep and impactful conversations. This week, uh, I saw uh, somebody become the, the godfather of a person's baby. That's what the power of this community is, right? It's special. It's special. And, and being part of the PCA, it really, it really adds value to our lives, not just to our business, but just to who we are. And, and I think you just really for a second just need to recognize that you're unique. We are unique. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, professionals coming in and people who go to conference, they're road warriors, they're going to all these conferences, and they're just like, man, there is something special about this community. And what I want to, you know, we're going to have a great discussion. I want you to start thinking about questions because I really want this to be, you know, audience-led and audience-driven. But for me, social media is really about that community. How many of you are in a, a, a paint contractors group on Facebook? Right? Just about everybody here, right? Uh, is there anybody that you engage with on a regular basis from those groups that are not here today? Raise a hand. Okay. Do me a favor. Do me a favor right now. Just pull out your phone. Okay. Pull out your phone. Go to your messenger and message one person that's not here and say, and just tell them how meaningful this meeting has been. Right? Do that for me. Do that for me. This is, this is the power of social media. It's the sharing, right? If you can invite people into a community and invite them to be a part of what you're doing, guess what people in communities do? They share resources, right? So you being on social media, putting your culture, your brand out there visually that is an invitation to your culture. That's an invitation that's saying that we are a part of your community and community members share resources. And so when somebody says, hey, I need my house painted or hey, I'm trying to get my office space painted, what do they do? They share their community resources. Too many people, in my opinion, treat social media like it is a, like a 1950s newspaper ad. Then you're hitting people over the head. They think it's like, you know, those 80s, uh, you know, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday commercials, right? And they're hitting people over the head with something that your audience does not want. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to be sold to. They want to be invited into something. My, my uh, youngest brother, he's 22 years old. Uh, he, uh, he used to paint for me when, when he started when he was 16. And uh, when, I, when I made the transition from uh, contracting into, into software, he kept going. 
And, uh, and I you know, want my brother to succeed. He's my youngest brother. There are seven of us. I'm the oldest. I want him to succeed. So I started coaching him along and helping him along. He had zero, you know, he had zero following. It was a brand new Facebook page. And with what we're doing, every video, if you went to his, his, uh, his feed, you would see every video has more than 10,000 views, more than 25, 26, 30, sometimes 60 likes on it. And it's simple stuff. It's a video of him pole sanding. That seems kind of boring to us. It's just pole sanding, right? Not to your audience. It's interesting. It's interesting because it's unique and it's different. And imagine how he feels as a young guy who is always on TikTok and, and you know, doing all this stuff. Imagine a young guy who sees a video of his that he's on and it's got 10,000 views. That feels pretty cool, right? Well, the other thing that I thought when I was trying to help him with his social media, he's, he's 22 uh, and, and he looks pretty young. Okay, he's always looked kind of young. When he was 16, people were like, who's this 12-year-old? Now that he's 22, it's like, who's this 16-year-old? And I said, that's, that's going to be a hurdle for you. That's going to be a hurdle. And, you, and it's outside of your control. You know, he's trying to grow the little, you know, it, it's, you know, he's doing okay. But it's, you know, he's a young guy. And that is something that he's going to have to overcome. And so I said, you know what, we need to lean into this. We need to lean into it and show people that you know what you're doing. We did it through video. We put it on the social, okay? And now what it is, what's happening, is instead of people saying, oh man, he seems really young, they will say specifically, I'm a fan of his, I don't care how old he is. I want him, I want him in here, okay? It's, it's working phenomenally. So we're gonna have a great conversation about this. We're gonna talk about brand, okay? Uh, the power of brand. Brand, it, for brand, brand is what people expect from you before you walk into the room. And whether you are intentional about it or unintentional, you have a brand. And your brand is either I'm one of three nondescript painting companies, and that's going to make you a commodity, or your brand is like people that we've got on stage, you know, Josh Abramson with Albright, everybody knows Albright, even in the town. Everybody's like, have it up. He told me a story one time, I'm gonna tell, tell a story. You had, I can't remember, you were going through a drive-through or something like this. You got a little sticker on, the, on your car and, and somebody said, hey, have an Albright day, because they know the brand. Seth Godin says that, that you have to find the, you have to have an audience, the smallest viable audience. Okay, the smallest viable audience, that is a, a, a size of an audience that is enough to keep you going. It doesn't have to be huge, it doesn't have to be national, it just has to be big enough to get you work, right? Your community, your close-knit community. Social can amplify that, and it can do it so cost-effectively, right? It's so cheap, you know? These, these views, you can get them for pennies on the dollar and people love it. Some people argue that brand is, uh, is only for like Coca-Cola and McDonald's and stuff like that. I strongly disagree. I remember going to a B&I conference. It was one of the big ones where they bring in a ton of people and they were doing a thing where they were just you know, highlighting different members who have been 
with the, with the organization for a long time. And this guy, this old gentleman, gets up and they want to honor him. He's been in the organization for 30 years, whatever. It's, it's Carpets by Don. That's the company, Carpets by Don. And he gets up and he, go, and he starts singing the first line of his jingle. And then he, he stopped and then he goes to the, uh, and everybody started singing the jingle. Everybody. That's brand. That's power. You know, we're going towards a future that is more human. People are, uh, they don't want to, they, they want to work with technology in a way that is natural and human. And so when I look at my daughters who are uh, six and four, by the way, I got a cool shirt that I got to show you guys. This is a, what does it say? Dad of girls outnumbered. <laughs> My daughters, the way that they interact with technology today is they go, hey Siri, play this song. Hey Siri, play this show, right? They are talking to their computers. It's human. There's, there are two grad students here from Carnegie Mellon at, at this conference um, studying human-computer interaction. People are wanting to interact with technology in a way that's more personal. So when you think about that voice and you say, hey Siri, find me a painter, who's gonna show up? Well, whoever's gonna show up is whoever's at the top of Google. Now, I'm in software now, so I do, I do you know, a lot of different social media stuff and, and, and everything, and maybe you've heard of uh, a scheduling software called Calendly. Uh, that's not the company that I work for, that was a, a competitor. I was trying to figure out on Google the search uh, factor. I was trying to figure out how can I get to rank higher. And the, the category is scheduling software. And I've, out of all of the key terms that I looked at, scheduling software had the highest. And the amount of keyword volume that it had on a monthly basis was about 12,000 monthly searches, okay, 12,000. So I was like, okay, that's not bad. But then I typed in the word Calendly into the keyword search term. And do you know how many monthly searches the word Calendly has? 201,000 monthly searches. And I thought, dang, <laughs> we're not catching up on these little keywords. It's gotta be brand. And so now what, what I think of is, instead of, hey Siri, find me a painter, I think, hey Siri, find me Garrett Painting. Hey Siri, call Albright Painting. Hey Siri, call Phillips Painting. You know? Call, hey Siri, call Harbeth Painting. That's what's gonna happen. And unless you build a brand on social media, people will not say your name when they start searching. All right? So we're gonna have a great conversation here. And I want you to think, I want you to ask questions, think about this. We got a mic here in the center if you, if you wanna line up. But uh, let's go ahead and introduce our host, our panel. I'm the host. This is our panelists, and let's have this conversation. All right, crew. Glad you guys are here on my show today. That's what I say a lot. So glad to have you guys. So. Um, Social media, uh, I think a lot of people, um, the first thing I think that they, 
have a hard time making that leap from I'm trying to sell something to I'm trying to be a part of something. What do you think are the, the first mistakes that people make when it comes to social media? Oh. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm the marketing manager here at BCA. Um, we're very happy to have you, first of all. And answering your question, the errors that I've seen, because I had the opportunity to work on the other side, like looking at your business, like seeing you, it's um, for many brands, uh, you don't know who you're targeting, uh, how you're targeting, and how to use the content to reach the audience. So whenever uh, we share something, uh, there should be that interaction. Uh, but first, I need to understand who I'm targeting and what I'm trying to do with the content I'm uh, promoting in my social media channel. So that's something that, um, that I feel people should have in consideration when like approaching social media. So yeah. So you, so you bring up targeting, um, do, you know, first the panelists and, and you know, I'm, I'd even open this to pe you know, smart folks in the audience. How do we think about targeting? Who should we be targeting when we're uh, creating our ads? So I just got asked to be on here, so I'm not like totally prepared, but. Yeah, these two are on the spot, by the yeah. way. I just pulled them <laughs> from the audience. Um, so who they should be targeting is, identifying, like you were saying, have a plan, but identifying who, what type of work you want to be doing and then going after that type of customer. So if you decide what type of work you want to be doing and you're able to communicate that through your social media, that's a helpful tool. But, you know, I like to think of uh, some of the things that people maybe don't do enough or the mistakes they make, I would say, um, one is they don't post enough, they're not on there enough, they're not doing enough to tell their story. Um, I think that there's times that when you're, um, you're not sure of your audience, you're not sure of uh, your plan, um, it, you can get lost and just, and a lot of times I think people make mistakes where they uh, just too, too much of the same thing. It gets, it gets boring, it gets re repetitious. So you gotta change it up. Um, <clears throat> I think Josh is right about posting frequently. Um, if you want to be effective, I think posting two or three times a day is, is key. Um, you need to post enough that, you know, you're at the top of the feed and people are seeing your posts a lot and they feel like they're getting to know you and you're making that personal connection. And I think you made a great point about not trying to sell anything to anyone. Um, <clears throat> I know that, you know, other than paint sales, I've, you know, I've sold furniture and some other stuff like that. And, you know, the first rule was talk about anything but that couch. You know, you're talking about their kids, their dog, you know, whatever they want to talk about, but you're not trying to sell them that couch, and it's the same way with a paint job. You're just, you're just trying to connect with them. You want them to get to know you and trust you and feel comfortable with you so that um, when they do want something painted, you're the first person they think to call. I think for a lot of people, sorry, my voice is a little bit froggy. Thanks, uh, Sherwin-Williams, for sponsoring that awesome event last night. <laughs> Um, I think for a lot of people, one of the biggest challenges right away is, is uh, fear, right? Raise your hand if you've ever been scared to post something on social media, whether it be for your business or personally. Yeah. 
right? That's a, lo- that's a lot of hands. And one of the biggest things is that we're all very scared of being judged, um, right? I mean, uh, for me on a daily basis on my personal page, if I'm going to post something, I'm scared of being judged or people thinking your brand might not be cool or whatnot. Um, but at the same time, I think if you're very confident in yourself and you love your business and you love what you do, who gives a shit what somebody, uh, pardon my French, thinks about your, your brand? Um, and in terms of posting the content, I used to work, um, I used to work for what was called a multi-channel network. They're like partners of YouTube and they help people grow their audience and, and do all that stuff. And something that we learned through the YouTube courses is that don't post something that you don't love or don't create content that you don't love. Find something that you love and stick to posting that content and keep it true to yourself. And don't try to think, oh, this post needs to be a video of 10 minutes long or this needs to be three photos. Find what you actually love doing and that doesn't make you scared to post. And that's like a very, very good place to start. Post what you love. That's so good. I, do you have more to say on that? No. Yeah. I, uh, I was having a conversation the other night. I think it was maybe after the Ben Moore event. And, uh, you know, the comment got brought up of like, I just feel so uncomfortable turning the camera on myself. And, you know, we started talking a li- about it a little bit. And I just thought about how uncomfortable it is for the homeowner to bring somebody into their house who they don't know. And when you are creating content that is showing the people who are doing the work that builds that comfort level for them so that they feel more confident in who's coming in. And so, you know, I think that what makes us uncomfortable is that we think that we're like almost bragging about us. We, you know, we think that we're making it about us, but this isn't about us. It, you know, it's about, it's about them. It's about the customer and serving the customer and making sure that they feel comfortable in our home. Um, we got a question. Great. Yeah, please. Can you provide maybe uh, some hacks for them, maybe something to help them out to figure out how they can schedule these posts that perhaps they don't have time to do? Hello, hello. Uh, software. Um, I think a lot of people in here as well might be scared of software, but there's a lot of really easy to use software out there that can actually help save you time and save you money, right? By automatically posting things for you, whether it be your reviews or you pre-upload pictures and set a timer on it. There's a lot of software out there that can really make your life a hell of a lot easier. Um, it's just about taking that step and learning how to use it. And, and there is a lot of easy software out there to make, make it a lot easier. I know that when I was posting heavily, I don't post as much as I used to, but I would sit down on Sunday mornings and I would schedule out my posts for the whole week, you know, at 8 a.m., 12.30, 6 p.m. Um, and I would just schedule them out at the peak times and sit down for two or three hours on a Sunday morning and just organize my social media posts for the week. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, you can also, I mean, it's obvious, but you can hire somebody uh, not that expensive to do it for you as long as you are providing a little bit of pictures and content or um, just guide them and have them do the posting for you. That's what we do at Albright now. I think other very important part here is that try to focus on one social media, grow one platform first and then go to the others, um, identifying again 
where your audience is and how they use this platform. It's important because uh, let's say all your audience is on Pinterest or like Instagram. So you go and grow, like just focus on that platform, like growing it, being constant and um, just putting your time there. And once that you have like a good following base, a good uh, online community, like you can go to Facebook, you can go to Twitter. Sometimes when you spread too thin, it's very difficult to control, as you said, uh, many uh, social media platforms at the same time with different content. I think it's I think it's really easy to overthink it and overcomplicate it. You know, I mean, you really have all the the tools that you need just right here. You know, in your in your pocket, and if you're visiting job sites just to just to be a part of your crew's lives in just some way, just to, to you know, not even, you, you don't even have to really manage the crews, but if you just are popping in once a day or a couple times a week or something like that, it's so easy to just say, hey guys, I appreciate what you're doing, and, and I'm just gonna record a quick video of you working. You know, that, that doesn't take that much time. You can, you can do that. You can have, you know, you can have a project manager do that. And then when you got a, a tool like uh, you know Company Cam out there, who's an industry partner, um, you can you can double up the the things. I, I had uh, the the CEO on on uh, Company Cam on the show, and he I was like, what you know what's the best way to get your people to take pictures? And he was like, well, you just make it part of the process. Have them take pictures of of each other working at the beginning of the day when they get there. There's a timestamp and it, there's a geolocation, so you know that they're there. Have them do it again in the middle of the day when they get back from lunch and have them do it at the end of the day. Not only are you getting a feed of, of, of you know, updates on the job, you're getting a visual progress report for you, but when you find a good picture, one that's usable, then you can just send that to, uh, send that to your social. And from what I understand, you can even do that within their platform, but it's, it's just so easy to manage this from your phone I think we're just overcomplicating it. We think that it needs to be a production. We think that there needs to be a beginning, middle, and ending. That's not really true. Like it just it's just about getting that visual eye candy out there and your name popping up like Shane said. I mean, I think that I, when I look at part of the reason why I brought Shane up is because I'm a fan of the Garrett painting uh, Instagram. I mean, they, they do beautiful work, and I like looking at it. You know, and, and, I, and I don't think that I'm unique just because I'm a painter. There are people who love it. So Shane, I'd love to hear what your philosophy is uh, regarding how you use pictures and videos and, and how you came up with that. You know, I just, I, personally, I just try to keep it simple and genuine. Um, no fancy words, no fancy ads. What I find that people, you know, you can, you can post a before and after photo of some gorgeous, two-story great room where you did this amazing color change and it looks awesome um, and maybe get 15 likes and you can turn around and post a picture of one of your guys rolling a wall and say this is Andy he's doing a great job um, changing the color in this room and that'll get 50 likes so what I found is um, people really like to see photos of your people more than your projects and I think what's really unique about painting is um, as opposed to if you're a plumber or you're an HVAC guy or some other, you know, part of the trade industry that's not very exciting. Um, we're doing cool shit. 
I mean, we do things that are visually engaging um, every single day, and all you have to do is snap a picture of it, hit post, and it's free advertising. Um, you're, you're a plumber taking pictures of the rough-in work you just did on a new construction. Nobody gives two shits about that, and they don't want to see that, and it doesn't engage anybody. So it's, it's overwhelmingly in our favor, social media, as painters, um, to use that because, you know, what we're doing every day is really neat to look at, and people want to see it. I liked also what you had said, Sean, uh, Shane, about um, you know trying to do things that don't even talk about what it is you do. Um, I remember uh, one of the first videos we did that we did. It was all about our values. It had nothing to do with painting, and it, I, it won like the national award for our best video. Um, through the PCA, but I loved it because it, it would just, never once did our video talk about or show any of the work we do, but at the end of the video, you wanted to hire us because, but it never talked about our, our actual work, which I like doing. I like thinking outside of the box. Whenever you're thinking of what, what could I post today, what could I, t what could I do, just try to think outside the box. What is somebody not thought of yet. What, what, what could I do to engage somebody uh, that doesn't have to be talking about painting? Even though, like you said, painting is a great visual for us to have as our medium, but also think outside of the box sometimes. Any other uh, philosoph personal philosophies or philosophies that you think would be you know, apt for our audience? What, what are your guys' philosophies on social media? Okay, um, so one of them is uh, make it interactive. Social media is an online networking uh, platform. Uh, so uh, whenever like you push content, let's say make a poll, uh, make it about them. Uh, people like to be recognized, people like this interaction, and same as you treat them in person, you can treat them in social media. Uh, know what's your purpose with the content you're creating, and. Uh, use that uh, to your advantage. Um, so that's the first philosophy I have. And the second one, um, try not to spam. Um, and with this I mean um, you need to share. Uh, in the other part, right now we are in uh, times that people try to get more personal interaction. We don't want to see a brand, but we want to see who's behind the brand. And that's what creates a connection and like more trust between like your online community and your company. Yeah, my philosophy really again is just stick to posting stuff that you actually love and that's true to yourself. Because if you, again, you're trying to be something maybe you're not, or you're trying to go further than what you're actually capable of, you're probably gonna get very stressed out when you're thinking, I'm starting to film this big video now and I don't really know how to film this big video now or edit this big video now. So I think like um, Shane was maybe saying, uh, you know, keeping it simpler and, and, and really keeping it true to yourself and really working your way up from there. Um, and one other thing too is as a consumer, I can tell you like what I love is when I see pictures of, of people's, you know, work or products, if they really mention exactly what it is as well, because a lot of people are going to be looking at your social media, 
because they might not know what they actually want. And if they see a picture of you and your team maybe painting a wall and you list you know, the color type, the sheer type, all that stuff, they might end up just calling you up or DMing you or sending you a message saying, hey, I saw this photo and uh, this is what it said it was. I want that exact same thing. And that might make your life a lot easier as well. Um, I was wondering if you guys might be willing to share um, <clears throat> social media hacks, like for getting followers and things like that. Like I've heard of people doing giveaways and stuff around going back to school with backpacks and school supplies. And I'm just wondering if you guys have any like tips on how you can uh, build your base like that. First thing that I would say to anybody, and I actually did this with my uh, dad's business, is start with your friends and families. If you're not inviting your friends and family to follow you, you're missing a huge base right there. So always, always, always start with your friends and family. Because also, if your friends and family don't follow you, you can always call them up and say, you better hit that button or I'm coming to your house right now. Um, so but seriously, start with your friends and family and the people in your own network. Um, I think it's a good idea to, to friend as many people in your local area as possible, especially business people, insurance agents. There's, there's all kinds of uh, business people in your area that are very active on social media and, and have a lot of friends. So I friend a lot of people and send them all invites. And I used to boost posts quite a bit in the winter um, to drum up cabinet work. And anybody that likes a boosted post, you can go and invite. So I built my, I built my audience quite a bit that way. Yeah, to, to go in a little deeper on what, you know, Shane is saying, um, like, you know, pure tactics here. So if you, um, you know, you post a video or you post a, a, a photo and you boost it, you can, there are different um, objectives for the campaign is what they call it. And the engagement um, objective will optimize the ad to be shown to people who are um, likely to watch it or click on something, click like. And that's that's the primary objective, and it's pretty it's pretty an it's a pretty efficient spend. You know, there are different objectives like um, conversion and things like that that are uh, that cost more, and so the result that you're going for tends to be a little bit higher. But when you go with the engagement uh, objective, it's a pretty efficient um, use of your money. And like he said, when somebody likes your, uh, your post, you can go in and invite them. And so you know, there's a certain percentage of people that will you know, accept the invitation. And, you know, but realistically, if you uh, make the, the content good. I think that's the caveat is that you have to, the, the, the content has to be good enough. And if it's salesy, then they're not going to like it, you know. But if it's, if it's that visual eye candy and it has people in it and it's interesting and it's a peek into your universe, um, that's when they're going to be more likely to, to engage with it and, and to hit that like button. Any other comments on this? Um, okay, so another hack that I could tell you works uh, very good in social media. There is this called community management, and from uh, brands uh, can interact with other brands similar to them, like like them, comment them, and you know, like you appear in their like comments. And people who follow those brands um, 
will be like, okay, this is also a painting company. Like I will see, I will go to them. And here in the painting industry, you have a huge community. So I've seen like making lives work like super, super nice. Um, just uh, connect with other businesses, try to engage with them. You can create guides in Instagram, uh, putting like different posts of the same type. Um, but yeah, like that interaction, that uh, exposure, putting your brand out there, uh, putting like geotags, um, hashtags help. So yeah. Uh, just to touch back quickly on what Torlando was talking about. Are people familiar with the difference between a Facebook ad campaign and boosting a post? Yeah. So. Boosting the post, in my opinion, is it is helpful, but it is also, in a sense, sometimes a slippery slope because you're spending money on something that might not actually convert to direct sales. They might follow you and then and then convert. But I would kind of watch, I guess, how much you're spending on on boosting your your posts. In in my opinion. Yeah, in a, in a lot of cases it doesn't. I guess a lot of times it's industry specific, right? If you're getting followers and you are putting out, you know, great content like these guys seem to be doing, then eventually it might convert to, you know, sales. Um, and maybe they can probably touch more on that if they've ever boosted their posts and uh, versus, you know, doing more things like Facebook campaigns, they can probably talk better on that. Um, but I just say, you know, sometimes watch it. And uh, at Nice Job, sometimes we tell our customers, like, we're all about getting reviews and, and using those reviews on your social media. And sometimes we will recommend to our customers, hey, boost, post, post this review to your social and boost it and really you let that do the talking or put that in your, your campaigns. But a lot of times the, 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 the boosting of posts can tend to be a little bit of a, a money suck at times. So yeah, what I would, I'm gonna get, we're, yeah, just sit tight, you're, you're, you're good. Tight. All right. So, uh, you know, I think that there, when you, your objective of a, of a campaign may or may not be a, a direct lead. And, and there's, there is value to that, okay? So there's a difference between lead generation and, uh, and, and brand marketing, basically. And what I, how I look at it with, um, in, in the brand sphere, is I, I tend to think of it a little bit more like SEO it's a little bit of a longer play. You're not gonna be able to directly attribute every campaign to a, to a sale. But what happens is, um, you, know, uh, you know, Beth from, you know, from whatever company, she likes it and sees the, you know, sees the post regularly, she loves it. And then at the water cooler, Sarah mentions, hey, I'm looking for a painter, do you have any recommendations? Well, Beth hasn't had her house painted in 10 years, but she's been watching the videos and she knows the name, and so she makes that recommendation. Well, she says the name, and so now uh, Sarah, I think that's the name I used, uh, goes to Google and searches for the company, and then it shows up, and now on your attribution software, Google gets the credit when really it was uh, Beth who saw the social media uh, exposure and made the recommendation. So, you know, I think it, it's really tricky sometimes to, uh, you know, sometimes we want to look at the direct flow. We want everything to be like a, like it's set on a train track, but people take weird roads to get to you some, sometimes. 
And so I do agree that you have to, like you want to be careful with the ad spend. It has to be within reason. But if you're expecting it to convert into direct um, direct sales, it's it's always a little bit, you know, they get there and it ends up being very cost efficient in the long run. But it is a long play. It's a little bit more like SEO in that way. Matt, you got a question? Yeah, just a little uh, success story that we've noticed, and I'm seeing if you guys have seen the same. You know used to do all the social media on Facebook myself, then we kind of hired an outsourced company. Um, notice doing headshots of our guys' anniversary dates. Uh, we get a lot of feedback from customers that use that guy, like Tim. Oh, Tim was great, you know, they did a great job on our, on our house. Next thing you know, they're posting uh, different people getting referrals off of those jobs. So what I've noticed is, or I should say, have you noticed in, with your experience do you see more, um, more media going in that direction, showcasing the guys that work for you? Hello. Yeah, we did. Uh, we do, and um, that's exactly right. If you could get little bios about your 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 team, uh, what their interests are, uh, what they you know what you like about them and you post a headshot or, or a picture of them, it, it gets a lot of engagement. Not only that, but they share it with their family and friends, and then it gets you more engagement as well. That's a great idea. Thank you. Heavily agree, especially if you're posting it with like a congratulations to them probably for doing a great job. I'm assuming your employees would, would absolutely love uh, you know, that shout out and they're probably going to be more likely when you ask them, hey, can you take a photo for me on this job? You know, they're going to be more like endearing to you and probably wanting to actually help you create that content. I know when we do our uh, <clears throat> Christmas parties, we give out awards to the painters, you know, cleanest van, best attendance, you know, most Google reviews and we make little certificates and we have them stand up, hold their certificates and we post that on social media and just people just absolutely love that. Question. So uh, targeting, I know we touched base on it a little bit, but like, is there certain um, like programs that you guys are using when running an ad to like look at the analytics um, to help better your targeting? Because that's one thing that um, like with Facebook especially, because they have like the radius targeting. Are you guys targeting like each city? Is there you know just basically in that note like what like age groups or you know a certain women to men? You know that's really what we're struggling with. I keep it painfully simple. Um, I'll do a $100 boost on an ad. I know which subdivisions in our town we work in the most. I know what side of town we work in the most. Um, I know that we're, we're mainly marketing to upper, upper middle class housewives that are interested in kitchen design and DIY stuff and things that you know uh, someone that wants to paint their house would be looking at and into. And then we, we just go to that target area. I know that Thornbrook, we do a lot of work in Thornbrook and Copperstone. And so I just literally just target those areas. It's, it's painfully simple. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we're doing a lot of A-B testing where you'll, um, you'll test the same image or the t uh, and you'll give it to different audiences to see if uh, one did better than the other. Or we'll test an A and B uh, um, photo or video 
but to different audiences to see. And yeah, and you track all that and you see which one's working. And you'll see some will just flat out just be duds. And you thought, I, I would think that was going to be the one that was going to take off. And then this other one that you're like, that's not that great. But that's the one that's really starting to take off and get used and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's all about the testing. I'd always suggest doing A-B testing so that you're not just trying to test one, you're testing two or three to see which one is going to take off. Love to ask a quick question. Do most people in this room do their own or manage their own ads or uh, they have someone managing it for them? Like, uh, sorry, raise your hand if you have someone managing your ads for you. Right, so a lot of people and a lot of people not. Something that I would definitely recommend to people and it's actually free to do this if you have the time and you have that drive is Facebook and Google both offer a free online course for their ads. Um, each section maybe takes, I, I can't remember how long, but if you have a little bit of extra time to do it, I'd highly encourage you to take a look at doing it because even if you're paying someone to do your ads, um, this way you have a better understanding of what they're doing and what you're actually paying for. And if you're not paying somebody and you actually learn how to do it yourself, you can actually save yourself a lot of money. Um, and these courses are absolutely free and they really walk you through everything step by step from beginner to uh, expert. Um, one more thing that I'd like to add to that, try, um, whenever you build your community, try targeting lookalike audiences because um, social media uses artificial intelligence and like they are very good at do that. So whenever you target a lookalike audience with like this range of age, like that can afford like to pay like my job, they will take care for you to like find audience that's right for your brand. Is there anybody here who does a lot of commercial or industrial work? A couple handfuls. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, you know, this one's for you. It's the same, same topic here, but I'm gonna, you know, this one's for you. So with targeting, um, and, and also residential folks, it's the same principle. It's all about figuring out who your ideal customer is. And what I would do is I would uh, just, you know, pull out a sheet of paper and write down, you know, 15 to 20 of your past customers that you absolutely loved. The, the criteria being um, they were easy to work for, they paid a lot of money, and it was pretty easy to get the job, right? And so, you know, if, and then so take that list and then kind of circle the one that is the, like, the number one that, like, yeah, if I could have customers that were like this every single time, I would, I would love my life. And so then you take that customer and you create a, a buyer persona based off of it. Um, you know, if in the commercial space, how many employees do they have? What industry are they in? Where do they live? What's the, lo what's the geolocation? What, it, you know, what is the service radius that you're in? And with those ads, you are able, both in LinkedIn, so if you're in commercial, I highly recommend LinkedIn, and you can really dial it in with like employee count and all that. Um, but in Facebook, you can dial it in by, uh, you know, what income are they in? Are they in the, the top 25%, top 10%, you know, that? And you can target interest, and, and Facebook makes it easy because you can create a smart audience and start from there. I would tweak it because you have age, you know, with residential, you have more age things to consider. 
Um, but you want to start with that ideal uh, profile and then the tools themselves, both LinkedIn and Facebook, will show you what, how big that audience size is. And you want the audience, again, to be the smallest viable audience possible and you want to look at the reach to impression ratio. So a reach is how many people the ad got to. The impressions are how many times the ad was seen. And so because of that, you want the people in your reach pool, you want them to see it more often. You want to see it, they want to see it multiple times. And so you want to like have 4x or even 10x the reach to impression ratio so that those people, you know they're not seeing your ad one time and forgetting about it, they keep seeing it. So the targeting, it's all about knowing who your ideal client is and then making sure that when you post those ads that they go directly to those people every single time so that they're seeing your messages consistently over and over and over again. Question from the audience. What bad recommendations do you guys often hear? I'd say get political. <laughs> I think that's a bad recommendation. Uh, try not to be too political on your, on your business feed or even sometimes your personal feed if the customers are following you there. Um, another one could be the use of hashtags. There, um, so hashtags are good, but whenever you use like 30 hashtags, that seems like too overwhelming. It, it looks uh, so spammy and you don't want that for your brand. You don't want to look spammy. Uh, you want to choose the best hashtags that uh, represent your brand and like you want people to find you for. So controlling the number of hashtags, uh, it's a good idea. One would be just to take a picture without asking. Um, again, you're going into people's homes and I'm assuming some people or the odd person might not actually want you to take a picture of inside of their house. So I guess a bad one would be just, oh, take the pictures without, without asking the uh, customer. Uh, I think, has anybody followed uh, realtors on Facebook? They are the worst in the world at Facebook. I mean, they are so bad. And what a lot of them do, they get into these groups where they think that they, they have somebody who will do these canned marketing things. They'll write like a canned blog post about like tips for like saving money on your water bill. And then, uh, you know, the, it'll be the same article. Ten different realtors will post it. It's, it's, you know, really ugly. It does nothing for it. And when you look at their engagement, it's nothing. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work at all. And I think when I was, uh, you know, when I was contracting uh, and, and running my own marketing, a big thing that I struggled with was being confident enough in my identity as a painter to believe that the content that I had as a company was of value. You know, I constantly thought that I needed to create, you know, like the, pretend like I was a, 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 an interior design you know, blog or magazine. I didn't need to do that and it didn't work. And I put so much effort and time into creating these articles that were like, 
you know, five colors for the spring, you know, that it just like never, it never turned into anything. And when I just realized that like what we have and what we do is special and unique in and of itself, you know, that's when the change happened. That's when it, that's when it got really great. Um, okay, we are, we're close. I think I wanna do the last question here. Did that answer your question? Yeah. All right, thank you. Any I comment? One, I have one more question. Okay, go for it, go for it. Is there any sort of training or classes that we can take somebody who may have like a baseline idea of, of social media, put them through it, and then take them, put them out in the field, and just have them shooting and posting content all day in an effective manner? Okay, this, I like your question, and, and it's close to my question, so I'm gonna mod it if that's okay. I think the question is really, should we be doing this ourselves or should we be hiring it out? And if we're hiring it out, should we bring somebody in and train them or should we hire somebody with experience? Is that, is that okay that I modded that question that way? Yeah. Great, thank you. Questions, yeah, or answers. I think every business is different and you know, you come to this expo and there's all these panels and all these chats and if you, it's almost like if you, if you walked out of here and did everything that everybody said, your like monthly budget would be probably $50,000, $100,000, right? Um, so I think it's really a matter of drilling down what is the most important thing to your business. And I, one of these guys, I can't remember which one of you said it best, was in the beginning maybe just start very, very simple. So for me, I would say, you know, probably don't leave here and, and hire someone right away. Try and see if you're capable of doing it on your own first or even ask if you have a bunch of employees, hey, is anyone here good at posting social media? Do any of you manage your own Instagram page and what kind of content do you post? So I would say start from within um, and if it's, it's really not working, then yeah, maybe, maybe look elsewhere. But I think it's very, very easy to actually just start from within. I personally couldn't imagine paying somebody to do my social media and I'm someone that pays somebody to do everything because I don't really like to do much of anything. Um, <laughs> but social media posting is just so easy. I, I, I just have my guys send me pictures from the field. I choose which ones I like, I post them and I, I wouldn't pay somebody to do that. Josh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so um, I like, yeah, everything that's being said here. I think there are some people here, though, that know that they need social media, but they just want nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, and I think those people here uh, do need to look either within, like you said, there's, there's three feet from gold. I like what you said about, you know, there might be somebody on your crew that's really good at it, that you could just ask to start doing it. Um, and then there's these programs that you could sign them up for where, uh, like Content French Fresh or something like that, where you could post, you could, they could post for you, you could approve it before it goes out, you know, if that's something that you're concerned about. Uh, but for some of us, it's very easy. We, we just like, you know, I love, I love posting on these pictures and the things that we're already doing and I got, have a headspace for it. So I think that, yeah, you just need to find what works for you. And I love what you say about you just got to be real. The realer you can be about who you are, the more you will engage your very audience. Um, and when you're trying to be something you're not, it, it tends to just get boring for you and for everybody else. So. 
All right, let's do a, um, a last call for questions. Okay, so if you have a question, make sure you get in the line here because we're getting close to the end. We're, let's have you a, uh, ask your question. I'm gonna ask one last question, then anybody who wants to you know, get your last question and get in line. What's okay. your question? This is kind of, they go kind of together. It's two questions. How many words are too many words on a post? And roughly how many minutes or seconds should you do a video on a post? Videos, the shorter the better. Uh, nobody wants to look at anything for longer than 10 seconds. And nobody wants to read more than two or three sentences, in my experience. Um, most people don't want to read a paragraph of information. And I know because from trial and error, nobody wants to watch 20 or 30 second video. 10 seconds and they want to move on. Yeah, I struggle with that. I go back and forth because um, I like that social media now uh, kind of hides your long posts. So if you uh, post something that has long, a lot of words to it, it'll actually sh condense it. And if, if that person is a reader and wants to know more, they can click on it and know more. So I don't stay away from long posts versus short posts because I feel like you can do both. Um, and then when the, with the seconds, I tend, or for video length time, I tend to try to stay within or under 30 seconds because I know that the better people don't want to engage that long. Sometimes people, I mean, how many times do you do this where you scroll past a video and you don't even put the sound on, you don't need nothing, you're just seeing some movement and you kind of scroll on it and if something catches your, your attention, then you'll watch it. Um, and sometimes it could be okay if it's a little bit longer, if, it's, if you have interesting content. Uh, but I do worry about, or when we're putting stuff out that's just too long of the same thing. You've got to be either engaging in long or short and don't repeat whatever. Don't sit too long on some process that's just going on for too long when you're doing your videos. I have a double-edged sword almost. Uh, and I, I heard an interesting stat, um, I think it was last year, that the average person, I think aged like 18 to maybe like 40, is scrolling through 500 feet of timeline a day. 500 feet of timeline a day. That's like at least like six of these rooms probably, right? So you, you, you basically have almost a tenth of a second to catch someone's attention. A tenth of a second to catch their attention. So a lot of times shorter is better, but I think it really depends on the platform. And like if you take you know, something like YouTube, for example, um, in, in their academy, they actually teach you this. Um, it's about, again, doing what you love. If, you, if, you, if you're putting out like five minute videos and, and you're, you're loving doing that, don't be changing the length of your videos because you're trying to meet some algorithm. Otherwise, you're not gonna be yourself and your, your content will actually probably suffer because of it. Um, so again, it's, it's, it depends on the platform um, and what you're trying to really achieve. Like if you're trying to give like instructional videos, then yeah, you might want, probably wanna make it a little bit longer, but if you're trying to get people to click on a call to action and maybe contact you, Keep it a bit shorter. The, it's it's it that this point of uh, you know platform by platform is is uh, an important note, and you know each uh, uh, you know platform has their recommendations. So you know YouTube, for example, they actually do recommend seven to ten minute con you know pieces of content at least on that platform. People tend to just stay on YouTube longer. They they want to you know push play and just kind of 
you know, almost like they're watching TV a little bit. Um, with Facebook, they recommend, uh, they actually recommend three minutes. They say that three minute videos tend to perform better, but here's the caveat. My experience with just the data, uh, average view time is about seven seconds, and that's across multiple businesses that I've, you know, managed their accounts. And so if you do not <clears throat> um, capture their attention in seven seconds, the video's toast. If you capture it in that first second, seven seconds, then they may s stick around longer, and uh, and you can you can see you can see they they will give you the metrics of people watched uh, you know twenty five percent of the video, fifty percent of the video, seventy five percent of the video, ninety percent of the video, all the video. You can you can track that, and I think it's just a, a matter of going in and looking at those videos and seeing what actually performed? What videos did they actually watch, you know, to the end or to 75% of the way through? I agree with what Josh said. If it's too repetitive and ongoing. Yeah. I, I would also suggest there's something that just came to mind that I think, um, I think more people need to be doing, and that is um, putting your phone number in your post as well as if it's a local number or if it's one like I have, you know, 1-800-Painting. But what, another thing I would say to put in your post a lot is the area you service. Because a lot of times that's, will be, that feed will be served up to somebody and they may be in your area, but they don't know you're in their area. And they're like, oh, I'm not gonna click on it or I'm not gonna, I, it's too much work for them to try to figure out where you're from. And so I would say put in your area or your main area that you work always in your post so it's very, consistent and everybody knows when they see it yeah I, like I see that. that a lot I see like I get served up ads all the time from other competitors and I'm like well they're in Ohio so I don't know how I got that but I got it you know yeah and, and you can even tag the the neighborhood itself that the house is in that that that's pretty cool too uh, let's take these last questions and we're, we're about out of time so you know, uh, don't be rude. Like, if you're fine, like, stay. But if you need to go, you can go. But let's take these, these questions, these last couple of questions. We'll wrap it up. Yeah, a little bit um, related to the previous question. But can you comment some on documenting the process versus just aesthetically pleasing before, afters, snapshots? Because I know, I, uh, for me personally, anecdotally, I see a lot more feedback, a lot of good data points from aesthetically pleasing stuff that I can't do, that I either have to hire out or like spend a lot of time trying to get the perfect shot, but I'll watch the Zach Kennys and a handful of others who document the process, and that is, that's their gold. At least that's what I assume it is. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> I will say that uh, other than people-focused posts, what we get the most engagement out of is before and afters. Um, people actually seeing what it was and what it is and how, for some reason, just really <clears throat> grabs people. Um, and that actually generates calls because when someone sees some old brown drab cabinets and they see they're beautiful and white with new backsplash, new countertops, it, a lot of times people don't realize what paint can do um, until you just put it in front of them visually. So before and afters are very powerful. And the other thing that I think that people really like to see is extreme prep work. Um, when you post a picture of a, of a you know, I'm a residential painter, so that's what I'm speaking on. And I mainly, you know, advertise on Facebook and Instagram, so I don't know much about YouTube or, or LinkedIn or any of that. But when we post a picture of a, of a kitchen prepped 
and all the plastic up and the zip walls up and the floors covered and the countertops are covered and all the tape is straight and all the paper is not wrinkled and it's just a beautifully wrapped kitchen. People just love that and it gives them so much confidence in you um, as a painter that, that you're doing high level stuff. So they really like to see the prep work um, and the before and afters. One more thing that I'd like to add to that, as businesses, you have like principles, core values, like transmitting that through like your content, uh, that's something that really speaks to people because your business is unique to you. And uh, whenever you share your core values and like your principles, like people are very interested to like, okay, I want to like engage with this brand because this is what they stand for, they represent. Yeah, I, I would, uh, to answer this question, I, I think the combination of both is, is really great. Um, you just have to be, if you're doing photos of a project, you can do a bunch of photos of that project in a single post. But you want to be a little bit careful about the order. So if you, if you post a bunch of the before-afters, like before pictures, that's, you know, it's ugly. So it's like, that's not very interesting. So it actually just lead with the after and then show the process of how you got there, right? So you see that beautiful cabinet and then you show the pictures of how, what it was before, then the prep work, then you know, the guy spraying it, and then, you know, and then the final results. So it tells a little bit of a story, but it, it gives that initial like, grab you because it's like pretty, right? Did you, did you uh, have one or, or more? No, it's all the same, but the, the question was you know, more of the aesthetic or more of the education. I think you do what you grav uh, naturally gravitate to, but then you also do need to have that mix. I think it is helpful to teach uh, others how we do what we do. Um, that will engage a different type of audience as the ones that'll engage the ones that just visually are looking for something that stimulates uh, them to take an action. Both stimulate somebody to take an action. It's just a matter of which customer. Um, but I like both, if you can do both. There was a plumber who has a YouTube channel. I think he was a plumber in HVAC. And uh, he told this really great story about how he creates these how-to videos and basically trying to explain to his audience through blogs and videos how to actually fix their own, their own problems with their plumbing. Uh, and he said typically the result is you'll, you'll definitely have a lot of people that go and now they're able to actually fix it themselves. But the people that might try to start doing it or the people that realize through those instructions, I, I can't do this on my own. Um, they end up calling him and then hiring him because they, they can see that he's really well versed on exactly what he's teaching uh, how to do. Yeah, you become, you're seen as an expert and they call the experts. Yeah, and you give them more work than they actually want to do. So <laughs> let's take this last question. Or if there's anybody else that has a final question, like come up, but if, this, if not, this might be the last one. Yeah, Catherine was speaking about how you start with one platform you get, get good at it and move on to the next, right? And many of the contractors here, they're really good at the Facebook, Instagram. Uh, but can you guys speak to uh, just staying, abre like staying abreast of all the uh, platforms that are either new, right, like TikTok, or the emerging ones like Clubhouse, uh, you know, those kind of things. Can you tell us kind of where does it end, right? Or how, 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 how informed should they be about all of those new platforms? Uh, I would say, Try to find where your audience is. Um, it seems that you know who who is your audience, what type of 
uh, people are you trying to attract? Because if, if the audience of TikTok is much younger and they're not going to be buying your services yet, I mean, you could be slowly adding to that to your mix, but you don't need to focus on that as your mix. Yeah. I would do the one, one, one rule. One audience, one platform for one year. You will get very good at that audience and you will, you will go so deep. And at that point, you'll have a system so dialed in that then you'll be able to explore uh, something else. That's, that's what I would recommend. Another thing would be understanding the platform you're working on. So each platform has different angles to it. Uh, for example, LinkedIn is more like a professional platform for like businesses. Um, Instagram is more visually. And as you said, um, TikTok is just like videos, but like many of these platforms, when they see one succeed, they want to copy and paste what the other platform does. So for example, TikTok right now is getting like, is just raising and raising and raising. And um, Instagram has adopted many things of like TikTok, like if you have reels, if you create reels, if you share like more like video content to Instagram, um, and you are most likely to appear to a bigger audience, like Instagram is most likely to share you. So understanding other platforms and how they work and which kind of uh, audience they have, it's important to know um, what you're doing in your platform because again, they take from like the most successful ones. Awesome. All right, so last, last question for these two right here because they're, they're the contractors. How has your business transformed since you've implemented effective social media strategies? Um, <clears throat> well, it basically made us kind of famous in our area. Um, I came to my first expo in Charleston in 2015, and I started my business in 2000, so I'd been in business 15 years, and I didn't even have a website at that point. Um, but I had a Facebook page, and I just posted and posted and posted, and um, in our area, like, I can just go eat at a restaurant and, oh, you're Garrett Painting, because, you know, they saw our cabinet post or something like that. So, um, for us, it, it just, it, it made us an expert in the field, in the eyes of, of our audience, and uh, it just got our name out there so much that it, I, I did so much work on social media for so many years, I really don't have to do that much work anymore because it just kind of generates itself. Yeah, I would say I love the fact that I have people uh, anywhere I go, whether it be um, locally or nationally now, um, saying the language back to us, like you said to me today, I'm having an Albright day. And I love that because I get, that means, you know, it's working in, we're putting out there, I would encourage any one of you, anything that you do or say or are passionate about, Put that on the, the social media for yourself because that language becomes uh, a part of who you are and your brand. And that's something that we've done. Um, and so we get people coming up to us anywhere we are in our community and they're, they're saying our language back to us like having an all bright day or how are you doing, I'm all bright. You know, we have a lot of fun sayings. Our, our latest one is uh, don't worry, everything's gonna be all bright and people love it and they start saying it back to you and it's the best 
when you get it back. It's, it, you know, it's one thing for you to be saying it all the time, but then when somebody's, when they, when they start to give it back to you, it's, it's really rewarding. Um, and, and of course that's grown our brand all over uh, for worse, you know, everyone thinks of us as the bigger, the bigger company out there for the type of work that we're doing. People think of us first and that's what we want. Well, everybody, that's our show. So glad you're here. Give a round of applause for our panelists. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.